Welcome back, everyone, to R2Cast number 57. Last week, we were in Canada. Next week, we'll be in the States. But this week, I am about 10, 15 miles away from our guest. So it's, it's really bringing uh, the R2Cast home today. Uh, we have someone from Dumfries. And I'm sure if you're in the ag sector and you're in Dumfries, or maybe you're just in Dumfries or in Scotland, you will know of Mr. Colin McKinnon, who we have today. Colin, would you like to say hello? How are you doing, Wallace? Good evening, everyone. Before we get on in to another excellent episode of the R2Cast, I would just like to thank the sponsor for the show today, The Scottish Farmer. A weekly magazine highlighting everything you need to know regarding the Scottish agricultural industry. Whether it's breaking news, events happening in the sector, market reports, classified ads, or just wholesome stories happening in the industry, The Scottish Farmer's got it for you. It's, uh, this is going to be a fun one. Uh, Colin has actually introduced me uh, to a group of people once before when I spoke at the Lower Nithsdale dinner, which I still have my little speech for. Um, the first time I ever spoke at uh, an event and I was petrified and uh, Colin gave me a nice little introduction, which I got all in film and uh, he was oblivious that he even got it, but I thought he played up the camera very well. I'm sure he will do it today as well. Um, for those of you who don't know Colin, we'll get into it all as we go. Um, about a young farmer stalwart, uh, certainly here in the south and west, and uh, yeah, known throughout all sides of the agricultural sector down here. I certainly didn't know him before I moved down here, and pretty quickly everyone had mentioned Colin McKinnon. It seemed like some kind of mecca that I must meet this. <laughs> Uh, so uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to this episode. Sure, we quite good crack. Um, we're both in the well. Colin's now too old. We're both in the same young farmers to some extent. Uh, but Colin, could you tell us a bit of background about yourself? Are you from a farm yourself? Yeah. So um, brought up originally on farm, just be- halfway between Dumfries and Castle Douglas. Um, Dad is a farm worker on Glenkill Estates owned by the Keswick family. So I have been here pretty much whole life. Um, brought up, run about farm, usual, getting dragged out to do jobs in the farm with dad, whatever else. Um, and then, yeah, it's kind of natural cr- progression into young farmers, whatever else. But um, one thing my parents always push me to do is try and get a trade of some kind. So hence... Young boy, love tractors, whatever else. Natural thing, working tractors every day. So that kind of moved me into working with James Gordon's Engineers in Dumfries, um, local company down here, very well known for selling class products, along with many other things. So got involved, been through SRUC Barney Campus, um, engineering side rather as agriculture side. So Went through my apprenticeship since started back in 2011 and I've been with Gordon's ever since. So, so that, you, you're, you're definitely proven to be one of these guests that just covers everything. It's great. I love it. I, <laughs> I don't have to draw in from a stone. So um, there's about four different things I'm going to unpick there. It'll probably take the next half hour. Um, yep. Also, I just want to say to those listening, uh, Colin was very rude uh, off camera as a uh, uh, he spoke about when he chose to go to Barony, I said, you know, he looked at agriculture and I said, well, agriculture's got great lecturers. And he said, yes, that was the case before I was there. <laughs> um, so that was kind of... <laughs> uh, the, the farm, um, Colin, was that a dairy? So, um, fairly large scale beef and sheep farm um, run over 
well, farms, should I say, estate farms. So run, I think it's between seven and 8,000 acres now. Right. So so I think there's three three separate flocks, um, two hill flocks and a low level sheep flock, I think around about 1,000 thousand ahead of use each. Then cattle numbers, honestly, wouldn't know where to pin it. I think it'll be <coughs> round about maybe the bottom side of 1,000. Um, starting to grow a lot of their own grain and things as well. So, um, yeah, kind of going going to suckler stage, not really going to finishing, so to speak. So, but the business is developing quite a lot at the moment. A lot of investment going in. And when you said your dad was managing that, was he in charge of one part? Well, or? no, he's not. He's not managing. He is kind of head head tractor man to be honest obviously he does right. does manage manage a lot of the, the tractor side of things and whatever else but um yeah he's been been tractor and he's been here apart from a five year spell i think it could be near 35 40 years he's been here so um fairly long term and with the bricks kind of thing so knows it quite yeah. well <laughs> yeah i yeah 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 um must be quite a few folk working there then i take it over the sort of three parts yeah so is it actually considering there's probably not that many but there's quite there's quite a substantial part of the business as um shooting grouse um a lot of uh, two or three gamekeepers as well so um well known to you maybe possibly heather murray she is oh, yeah. a so she comes in self-employed and helps out in the farm as well right and um, we've got obviously got three three shepherds two or three general farm workers stockmen kind of thing so it is a fairly close-knit team they've got considering the acres there is to work with and uh, you said they've got a bit of arable is that um barley or is that selling is it for used on the farm it's for you use on the farm <clears throat> yeah i think but they're both growing spring and winter barley and wheat yeah so they've, they've purchased a couple of local farms in the last two or three years and now they're looking to grow grow a lot more and try to be a bit more self-sufficient going forward so is that all uh, is that all like their own kit or have they got um, local contractor sadly not myself yet but um, let's say there's a guy the next farm down the road Craig Harvey he does a lot of their contracting work for them so um, it's kind of on the doorstep he's got all the kit there it's it's they've just probably not got the manpower to go and do stubble stubble kind of things and whatever else. So, and had you've obviously went to Barony, which we'll get into, uh, which you chose, you know, before these dreadful mm-hmm. bearded lecturers appeared. Um, <laughs> <laughs> had had your family not pushed you down the trade route, could you see yourself being on the farm or not? To be honest, when when I was younger, I did did have a spell of working here kind of on and off casually doing bits and pieces um honestly i think working my dad i think it would have ended up badly mm-hmm. very badly we're when it comes to work we're strongly enough minded people would probably end up in far too many fallouts it's, it's a thing i spoke about i mean what's this number 57 i've actually filmed about 60 odd so far just the you know yeah the, yeah yeah and you speak to a lot of folk like that and, and i'm one of them you know i, I I wasn't looking at going down the working on a farm route straight away, but my dad and I got my dad and I got on great. Mm. Uh, as to my mum and I, my mum and I can't work together. But dad and I just have different opinions. It's not a bad thing. It's yeah, just, it's it's quite common. <clears throat> um, 
it's not not something to look down upon or anything like that at all. But you chose to go to Barony. Um, mm-hmm. but I feel it's important. Colin probably looks about ten years younger than me, but he is actually older than me. I know it's hard to believe. Um, yeah. But <laughs> when Twin, start- 20, 27 coming twenty eight. That's normally how it works. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just close. Sorry. I was like, well, it's, I'm not 28 yet. I'm not totally over the hill. Uh, yeah. So, just go to Barney. Um, when was that? I started at the Barney in the summer of 2010 when I was 15. So, fourth year lever was adamant. That's what I was doing. I was like, Third year, I think it was second, middle of second year, third year, I'm going to the Barney, do engineering. That was it. And no matter um, what they said. Uh, yeah, it doesn't matter if they say, no, you're going. <laughs> yeah. Be there um, there's there's a lot of different engineering options there. There's there's full-time engineering, that sort of thing. But you went down mm-hmm. a slightly different route. Could you tell us about that? Yeah. So, obviously, done my introductory year in the NC course, which is a good, good grounding. Um, and then through many I think it ended up being about eight or nine weeks worth of work experience with James Gordon's both in Dumfries and the Castle Douglas depot pretty much after kicking the door down they finally um they finally gave me a job um I will note to be fair they had taken on two apprentices a year before so they were already like two two up but they were, I was like pestered them that much and to be fair the guys kind of came back and like look we don't want to miss out. We don't want you to go somewhere else. So they offered me a job. And so I started a four-year four year apprenticeship, which included obviously going to the going to the wonderful Barney for four years. It's a good place. And that was that was before well, you were probably there for non-SRUC moving yeah. into RUC. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I I was I was there probably as part, I think probably my second year would be the start of a lot of the changeover from what it was before to become an SRUC, so, yeah. It's, it's probably quite an interesting question, that. It, it, did you, as a, a very young student given, notice that change? I think we did, even for just being a low-level student, you still notice changes, and you could pick up the vibes off of your lecturers with whatever was going on. And especially probably with the class one being so heavily funded, it was a lot of class are wondering were they still going to get the same the same level of student performance, whatever, with the changeover. So um, it certainly did bring a lot of staff changes throughout the engineering <coughs> side of things. Um, I think that was just kind of par for the course over a lot of the sectors, to be honest. It was just a change that was going to have to happen, so... I mean, just by, what would you say, just by virtue of this podcast and who's on it, well, quite often of students have done agriculture, but mm-hmm. could you tell, could you, uh, there'll be a lot of folk listening and I'm aware of a few people that are sort of interested in the, the mechanic side as opposed to just, yeah. you know, yeah. general agriculture. Could you tell us a bit about that course and also um, the class apprenticeship, what role class had in that as well? Yeah. So when I, basically, as you start out your apprenticeship course with class and SRUC, um, you were basically from September onwards, you were basically month on, month off at the Barney. So you had a four, four blocks throughout the winter period. Um, and like, so you basically do an engine block where you would strip, like say a massive Ferguson 135 engine from nut and bolt, start to finish to bits, back together again, has to be running. 
um, usually it'll be a customer's, so there'll be a fault with it, and you'd have to sort that as part of the rebuild to basically give you a, a general understanding of this is an engine, this is what it does, start to finish, and complete a project. So we do that, same with gearboxes, um, and then as it moved on, you started to get on to like grass harvesting kit, combine harvesting kit, um, your grain preparation, your seeding, your sowing, whatever else, your plow, plows, whatever else. And there's a lot of, you know, general basics, like how to set up this machinery, how, you know, if you're going to have to install a new machine at a customer, how should you be setting that up so that you've got a general, general knowledge. So that was the way the, the Barney put it across for those first couple of years. And then as you went up, it started to intensify, which then led to going down to class for training courses on specific products. Um, and that started to get fed back into the SRUC and the Barney, where they were getting machines sent up to the college for us to then do diagnosis testing, electrical faults, hydraulic faults, that the lecturers would put in and we'd pretty much be as a team or as an individual you'd get sent in at the workshop right that tractor is a fault i want you to tell me what it is and i want you to sort it and come back to me which I mean, that's real as it gets for that really, yeah that like realistically that those get into that stage all the nuts and bolts simple stuff's fine but that's the kind of stuff when you're out in the field that you you can't practice for every fault but it's the method of how to go through it. That's what they were always pushing to us, is how how do you work through a fault to not get yourself in a mess and waste hours of time without getting someone? Yeah, and, and you've got a lot of pressure when that's happening. You've got the fire yeah. sitting, right? If you've got a silage team sitting and you've got six or seven boys there, you know, that could be four or five, six hundred quid an hour every hour that machine's sitting down. Never mind the weather, whatever else is going on. So it's it's a challenging job. And I think I'd like to think the training at the Barney helped put me in the right direction for it. But at the end of the day, getting out in the field and doing it's what really what really sets you up. No, I mean it's good education to get that basis, but as you say, the, the thing that's once yeah. you get I mean, I think they often say in a driver's test, once you pass your test, right, you can go out and learn to drive now. You know, like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The yeah. hard part's done but yeah. yeah that's that's the thing like even we found that at the college once once you started to get in that technical stuff in the third and fourth year we were actually probably bringing back stuff the lecturers didn't realize like ways of working around stuff working on the laptops the computer side of things we were almost ahead of them and we were only in there as apprentices which is a hard thing if you're not in a workshop environment in a workplace doing it every day it is hard to keep up with 100 um, percent oh of course i mean like from, from a in dumfries dumfries is going to have the best grass kit there is but from a arable side it's going to be you know the stuff you're going to be seeing down in england yeah. is going to be a different world yeah mm -hmm. well that's um, like so we we had guys come across from the borders even and like they'd never seen a forage harvester never seen one mm -hmm. but they would literally work on combines all day long yeah and could know them front to back so it yeah, was, that, it's hard that, to cover everything, but we do have quite a good mix here, to be fair. A really good mix, I would say. It's it's about as versatile an area as there is, really. Yeah. It's kind of kind of similar to Ayrshire. Uh, mm -hmm. But better. 
I knew you were going to say it. It's funny Colin says that um, when, uh, when I was speaking, uh, he said, you know, he's from Ayrshire, which I felt I had to join in and say that I was from Ayrshire. But in fact, I'm actually from Arran. We just pretend that, you know, we're, we're part of the Ayrshire group because the commoners then accept us a bit, bit, bit more. <laughs> you, just have to, you just have to slang your voice out a little bit more, Wallace, when it gets to that point. I've just uh, uh, just insulted half my demographic there, but oh, well, but I can't remember how anyone. Um, exactly. Well, some kinds, but not that kind. Uh, the heading down to class must have been quite an experience. Where, where, where is that? Where is that? Based? So that's based in um, Bury St Edmunds in Suffolk. So you're about five five and a half hours down a trip trip in the van or whatever. So. Um, yeah, it was quite daunting. The first first time we went down, um, basically a two-week block, all the boys from college sent down there on our on our holidays pretty much. And um, yeah, and it's some intense, intense training pretty much straight away. And it's yeah, ever since then it just comes second nature, to be honest. Some pubs frequented, I assume. <laughs> um yeah, the actual because we stayed, it was the kind of thing, because we we're all apprentices, we didn't travel back up the road for the weekend so um we got to sample the buddy buddy nightlife for the first time well the ones that, the ones that were actually 18 and the ones that had fake ids <laughs> <laughs> which i'm sure none of you did no absolutely not <laughs> absolutely not it's i mean i've never been to the class one but i went to the uh the new holland one is it in basildon, basildon yeah 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 mm-hmm. they're quite an outfit these places yeah, well, I know Claz have spent a lot of money investing in the last few years, and theirs is really up to scratch with probably any any roundabout down, to be honest. Yeah. I think you're being paid to say that. <laughs> mm, yeah, I know what it was like before <laughs> and what it is now, and it's night and day. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there there's some some outfits these places. I mean, getting out getting into slightly different things, but the JCB ones get quite an interesting way of working in that they don't actually own anything until they use it it's quite a yeah business model um but yeah there's some interesting places out there but yeah that would have been a good experience in Dumfries um you know going to Barony and then suddenly you're going into this maybe not by the same yeah. point state of the art but certainly very advanced mm-hmm. yeah and, no definitely and how, how did that work did you just treat that place in uh, at the class depot it's just you had to go and fix this and fix that. Is that how that worked? Or w- was it set up more, you know? They, kept, they had it set up a wee bit more as that. It was a, They would basically give you a walk through of the machine pretty much front to back. They'd have rigs set up with like certain parts, like the gearbox. So, right, have that sitting there, take it to bits. This is what's all in, inside there. And then they'd kind of, once you do, once you'd got that basic kind of, this is a breakdown machine, right? Put some faults in it, and now start to tell me what's wrong with it, what's not here, right here and there. Um, and yeah, just general servicing kind of parts where where you need to be looking, what what to be looking out for, that kind of thing. So, so you finish your four years, and you go mm-hmm. through four years of apprenticeship, and what next? Straight into it, or yeah. Literally, I was by the time even before I'd finished um, my apprenticeship, I was already in a van out um, on jobs myself, working away, sorting faults, whatever else. Um, 
I was I pretty much expected to do anything and everything at that point already. Um, and you you had mentioned Colin, there was two um, two apprentices there as you started. Yeah, was, did three finish or did the three just finish or not? Um, one of the lads left just before he was in his final year. Just um, some changes at home and whatever else. So. And then the other lad, he stayed on, I think, for another year after he finished his apprenticeship and then actually went out travelling in Australia and right. got a job out there and now he's come back and is working as a service rep with Kuhn in the UK. So right. he's uh, he's still in the same kind of business, but obviously a lot higher up, probably higher up the food chain, to be honest. Aye. So... <laughs> so. Um... So, some of you listening may be unfortunate enough to have Colin on Snapchat. Uh, it's it's quite the entertaining experience, it must be said. Whether that's a Sunday at two in the morning asking for lifts or whatever, I don't yeah. know. But the thing that the thing that I was going to focus on is there's um, quite often a class van with some gorgeous views in the background. Um, now your your job now is is you've went on from that apprenticeship and you're well. I I, I take it you're full time with with Gordons. Yeah, full time, yeah. full time with Gordons. So. Basically, the next progression after your apprenticeship. So, obviously, we talked about going down to training courses. So, I'll go probably about an average four or five training courses every year, right? Down at class on specific products. And this year, I should be finishing what they class as the next step up, which is a master mechanic. Right. So, basically, that is I have done all the training courses on that product. So, I should be. As to as good a knowledge as anybody on that product, I should be a master mechanic in that product, basically. So, so maybe I've picked this up wrong. You you started twenty ten, was it? You yeah, must have been there till about 2013, 14. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're still not an apprentice, obviously, but still going through a training. Yeah, so thing. there is still is it is kind of based on like an LTA model. So I think. Um, like basically you've got your your apprentice, then your service engineer, your master mechanic, then like the top level is master technician for buy that. And that's basically like you are a master mechanic and all those products and you have to go down and sit up, sit an official exam, and then you get a three, I think it's like a three-hour exam, and then you get three totally random faults, could be on any machine you've never worked on before in your life. And you've got an hour in each machine to so, to basically get to a point of telling telling you basically get a dummy customer or whatever, and you've got to tell them after that hour what's wrong with that machine. That sounds insanely stressful. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of guys crumble under it. I'll, a few guys like there's a lot of guys. I know I've passed it, but there's a lot of guys will go down there do it four or five six times, and yeah. still not come out of it. Is it? Is it something that you so you're at master mechanic level? Um, I yeah. love these names, by the way. I love these names. It sounds like something yeah. to talk about. I should, I think uh, the courses that I've done last year should have got me to. I'm just waiting on the paperwork kind of coming through yeah. for it. Um, is the goal for you to go to that next level as well? It probably would be to a fair, yeah. Yeah. yeah I guess. And how, how long is that from now? Honestly, I could probably I'd put like two, three years now. I would say, depending on everything else going on, for sure. Which, for sure. Is, which there is a yeah. lot. Um, yeah. 
yeah, which yeah, we will yeah. get into, which we will get into. But the, let's say I'm ju- I'm just interested because I mean I, <laughs> I don't know how well you know this about me, Colin. You know enough about me, but I don't think you know this. I can barely tell you the difference between a grease gun and a tractor. You know, like, I mean, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. You, you've either got that kind of mechanical <laughs> sense about you, or you don't. It's just one of them things, isn't it? I have this desire. I'm like, I want to be that person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, right, yeah. I'm going to change my brake light. <laughs> no, yeah, <laughs> uh, it's just not a, a skill that I, I have. So fair enough. But um. Let's say you go down that next line. Was it was it master, master technician? Master technician, say? yeah. Mm-hmm. Probably mean. Um the once you're there, what's next? Could you just do anything with class then? Would you look at staying where you are in, in Dumfries or would you go and try different places? You know? I think probably outside factors for biowork would probably always keep yeah. me there. Um whether there was an opportunity to progress within Gordon's be someone I'd probably look at, but at the moment I see see my worth is what position I'm at, and I'm still I've got a good good base of customers that are very involved with me and with the that um, rely on me quite a lot as well. So it's a uh, yeah, some something I would certainly I'm happy enough to at the kind of level I'm at just now. It's it's good. I do enjoy it. There's a lot of satisfaction out of the job, to be honest. I can imagine that, yeah. I can imagine, well, with high-stress things normally come mm-hmm. Yeah, um, absolutely. No, absolutely, yeah, definitely. And, and you said sort of outside factors. I assume that main outside factor is, is contracting. Between that and young farmers, yeah, I would yeah. say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're, the, you're the, not con- in- the, con- the contracting has become much more of an outside factor than I think even I ever thought it would be, to be honest. Did you see it becoming what it is now? You know, and tell us. Oh, no. Tell us, right, okay, yeah. So, um, COVID obviously hit everybody in different ways. Um, obviously, basically, what had taken up all my spare time beforehand, young farmers, pretty much ceased to exist just about, honestly. Like that first year, it was next to nothing, minimal at all. So, um, a lot more spare time in my hands probably a daft notion and a wee bit of money sitting in my bank was kind of you know it was, it was one of them things it's like you always thought as a wee boy I was like always on my own tractor always on my own it's like never owned our own farm or anything never had our own kit that kind of thing so I was like you know what always fancied buying an older tractor so that was yeah back in May 2019 2019 yeah when the first tractor was purchased online um off facebook was it blind totally blind the guy sent us some videos of it down a really nice guy mark up in turf seen it on facebook it was exactly what i was looking for we had one in the yard just exactly the same and i was it was it wasn't ridiculously priced and i was like you know what just go for it yeah. Couldn't go look at it because of COVID. I was like, I'm not gonna get, I'm not gonna get caught by the police try, driving to Turriff to look at a tractor. I've not really got a reasonable excuse to do that, to be honest. So, um, so yeah. uh, there, there's there's two things that are springing to mind. First off, it kind of makes sense because it's class, you know, the ins and outs of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the thing that's quite mental there is 
what sort of clientele did you have from a contracting perspective at that point? Absolutely none. That's, that's what I was going to say. I was quite certain that was the case. Yeah. You could say that's quite mental. Um, Nothing. Yeah. And now you would know a lot of people through, you know, folk that you're working yeah. with, mm-hmm. like Gordons and that, of course, yeah. but yeah. they probably either have the kit because you're currently working on their kit or mm-hmm. you're working on someone who's who's working for them. Um, yeah. How did you go about building up that base then? <laughs> Honestly, the way the way contracting's went the last few years, and it's going more and more so that way, customer farm demands and what contractors have available to meet those demands is becoming even further stretched. Mm-hmm. And that means as soon as there's a dry spell, people are screaming for tractors and yeah. people to go. They can't, they can't, first of all, they can't get people to drive them. The next thing they can't, they struggle to get enough tractors to actually fulfill all the jobs they need to do. And then the actual rising cost of what a new tractor costs is getting to the point where it's cheaper to get a contractor or somebody else to come in and do it than have your own, like pay for your own. Mm-hmm. Especially in Dumfries and Galway, where I know compared to a lot of other areas in the country, the contracting rates are a lot lower than elsewhere. It's, I mean, contracting wise, you're coming from, I'm coming from Aaron, right? Who mm-hmm. really? Yeah. Um, there is hundreds here. Now, I know there's a massive mm. market for them, but like Watsons are massive. From what I understand, yeah. Harvey's are pretty big. I think Cowan's are quite big. I think, mm-hmm. you know, there's, and I've probably missed 20 names yeah. there. Yeah. Um, every, 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 you know, half, half kilometer you go on the road, you bump into an tractor or two or three. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you, you've jumped into a flooded market, but obviously it was there. And I take it over COVID. Um, you've bought it in May, so you've got the sort of summer season. I think yeah. you've sort of mm-hmm. with silage trailers would be the first one. Is that right? Or, yeah, literally, yeah. that was the first year. A lot of it was just silage trailer work. Just mm-hmm. grab a silage trailer, go. Um, weekends, holidays, literally any spit light. I'd seen me would finish at work at half four or five at night and just go jump to the tractor and go help somebody for a few hours. Um, but it was the kind of thing. People were seeing me every day coming into work and they seen the tractor sitting there like, are you free tonight? Are you free this weekend? What are you doing? I'm just like, well, it's COVID. There's nothing else happening. So <laughs> literally the first year, yeah, every, everything was done. Everything I'd done myself. I don't think anybody, I never hired in any help to do anything that first year. It was just literally me and the tractor. And as long as I could keep it going, I'd go out and work. Oh, good on you and here kudos for jumping in like that i mean i didn't i didn't realize just quite how much you jumped yeah. in pretty much nothing <laughs> oh to be honest a lot of a lot of people said i was crazy but what the the money like it's a 2006 tractor it's like 14 15 year old yeah um at that point the money tied up in it was compared to going i was at like a 20% of what a new tractor would be. Mm, yeah. So realistically, it was fairly low. If you look at it in a contracting sense, it was a fairly low risk. Yeah. Like I had budget budgeted it so I could I could go out and do like two, three days a month, and that was going to cover me. But like and, I was going out, I was going out and doing like two, three weeks a month. Yeah. Like 
and good spells. So I was like, well, that it could set it could set all winter. And realistically, what it's costing me, I'm going to cover my costs fairly easily. So and, and yeah, and just just for reference, and I assume this is something you'll know, Colin. Maybe it's not, but I'm not up on this. What what sort of money are you looking for for a brand new, let's say? 150 horsepower tractor. Real, like real, probably the way things are just now, a reasonable spec one. You're not straight out the box, out the factory. You're probably not going to be far off hundred thousand pounds. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. You start to get well. A lot of you. What a lot of the guys you're seeing run about contractors, two hundred horse tractors. They are the top side of hundred thousand quite easily. Yeah. Right, so so what <laughs> you can see, you can see me with my little. 20,000 grand tractor it's but at the end of the day as a lot of this is always what I go with I'm charging the same money per hour as what they are for hauling a silos trailer yeah of course you are because it's the same job (laughs) uh, you know it's doing it's 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 like a quarter of the price but it's still managing to do the same job so why should I charge any less yeah exactly so realistically yeah I've got breakdowns and things to worry about but the initial costs a lot lower and the risks a lot lower as well. And that was we're in what August 2022, so it's just over three years ago. Mm-hmm. Where is McKinney Ag contracts now? We have just completed signing up for tractor number three. <laughs> um which is a what? Uh Clasarian 650. Um right. so I've now got two of them. Um, and the old tractor's still still living and kicking at the moment as well. Um, so basically, this again, same t- last year, um, with some pretty good help from Gordon's, I took the plunge after getting some fairly reasonable guarantees about work to buy the first Clasarian 650 um, through Gordon's on a kind of higher to buy kind of deal. Um, so we've done a lot of work last summer. Um, Aaron came on board with me, mm-hmm. self-employed. Done a, Fair enough, not with me every single day of the year, but um, a lot of work through the summer helping local contract, like Drew Watson, you've mentioned, GTR, King and Farms, Craig Harvey. A lot of subcontracting to contractors rather than direct to farm, so to speak. Um, but those guys have been really good, really good to work with. Um, have really kept us going. Um, obviously, we've done a lot of work with SRUC last winter, which also helped as well. Um, and yeah, again, it came at kind of springtime this year. The demand was there. Things kind of came into line with workers. So Murdo's came on board quite a lot this year as well. Um, so this summer, probably from May up until now, will have been two, if not three, tractors out near enough every day throughout the summer. <laughs> it's only it's only it's only really when the wet the wet weeks had been a wee bit quieter, but even then there's always been one. There's never I don't think there's been a week where there's not been at least one tractor out all week. Well I'm I'm gonna ask two questions here and one of them I'm gonna embarrass myself hugely I'm sure but first off the uh Aryan six fifties is that about one eighty? Yeah. 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 So they're yeah. not small tractors. Yeah. They're quite no. Notable tractors. Yeah. And how how many days a year will they be working? 
roughly. Obviously, you're somewhere. Well, I, so but. I would take it rather as days in terms of hours those tracks are clocking up. Yeah. Um, like the track that Aaron drives, the first one I got last year, would do 2,000 hours in a year. Right. So, and then the second one I would say is probably going to do 1,500 hours a year as well. And the old right. one, it'll maybe get four or 500. So you're talking about 4,000 hours worth of work. A year sure, yeah. they're going to do and that's just clock hours on them i would just yeah well that's well that's two thousand hours will be roughly what 80 full 24 hour days roughly yeah it's a I, I would time, i would but... say i would say like if i you factor in the winter we're probably the probably at least aaron's track to be working every second day of the year yeah the other one maybe a bit less but um Again, that's just going to be a case of filling in the gaps, to be honest. And in the summer, you know, it'll be carton silage, carton grain, raking, whatever. What yep. what does the winter time look like? And um, the winter time looks a bit more. We did, we have been involved a bit with um, forest roads, um, forming, okay. done a bit of that, obviously. Um, slurry jobs here and there with farm local farmers, um, and hopefully again this year we can work with some feeding contracts as well. Mm-hmm. So we are supplying tractor and then using customers feeder to right. cover holidays, staff sort shortages, whatever else. That's, so, that's a bit of a niche job, that is it not? Because you're gonna have to get used to a completely different system all the time. It's not just, you know. Yeah, this trailer is always pretty similar, but doing that, yeah, always good. It, it is it is a lot more technical. It is probably it take, requires a lot more brain work. Aye. Like you're not, you yeah. can't just switch off. It's not just a monotonous task, and um, it's something I like to hope we could get involved with again, because um, it was a really good, really good thing to get involved with, and I was very grateful for the opportunity to do it because it, it is basically. It, covered our winter months to be honest last year so i hope you've kicked your feet up and got comfy and enjoying another fantastic episode of the r2 cast with another really interesting guest i would just like to quickly take another second to plug the sponsors of the show today the scottish farmer and i would strongly advise you to go out and pick one up this week and see even more of the fantastic people that are in our industry so just trying to fit sort of the, a day in the life of Colin, Colin McKinnon. I mean, you've got, you've got Aaron Murdo there. And I'm sure John Austin will be in tears that you haven't mentioned him. Uh, I mean, he's, he's, only, he's only recently joined, joined the party. So I was sa- saving him for uh, when we're really in the glory days. Yeah, well, this is it. This is it. And it, John, if you're listening, uh, thank you very much. We're filming this on the 15th of August. You took me to the hospital two nights ago. So thank you. It was kind of... <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know what I'd do without you. Uh, even if you did hit every bump you could possibly see, uh, which I think was intentional. But um, yeah, you've got those guys out all the time. How often are, are you in a tractor at this time of year? Because you are working full time. <laughs> Honestly, it, it kind of depends. This year probably has been a bit less. Um, I'll probably be getting two, three, four days a month at the moment. Right, yeah. Um, but a lot of that is covering those guys' holidays, covering when they're needing time off, giving them a chance to have some time at home with their families, whatever else. 
Um, Murdo's got quite a young family at home. Aaron's right. always got a girlfriend and dog at home. Yeah. So, like, I try to be as... Look, if you can have an afternoon off and I can sit in the tractor, I'm quite happy. Yeah. If that gives you guys a chance, to, if that's going to keep you guys happy and keep you guys motivated, then I'll make a point of trying to do it. 100%. What a manager. What a fantastic guy. What a boss to have you, Ari. <laughs> um, no, well, here, fair play. You know, you're, you're working full time. You're obviously working quite near the top of the sort of abilities they're called. Good stuff in itself. Um, and then now you've set up this contracting business from, well, from nothing very quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, You've just signed up for number three. When do you think we'll be seeing number four? I'd like I'd like to think we'll be it'll be probably some if it was gonna be another one, it would be um something for a play toy for me again. Right, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um I can't see me. I think managing two members of staff coming on three is probably enough. Like it, it gives you enough headaches on those days the guys are busy and whatever else anyway. So are they are they both self-employed or are they yeah, sort of so they're both yeah. they're both self-employed. So Murdo's got his own kind of tree surgery business he works away with as well. So obviously summertime it kind of it kind of works works all right. And through the winter he's always got stuff going on. Um Aaron works for a few local farmers as well through through the winter. So it's the kind of thing that they aren't totally reliant on me giving them work every single day of the year, which works for both. Excellent. Yeah. Very much easier for yourself as well, not having to do. Yeah. And it's yeah. it's the kind of thing when when we go quiet, a lot of contractors are still kind of, oh, well, have you even got a guy that could sit in a tractor for a day or whatever else? And I can just kind of send them, let them deal with it. And it's mm-hmm. still keeping a customer. It's making making it look as if I'm making an effort to at least try and help their business keep going. So they come back to you, oh well, I could do with the tractor now. So yeah, is what yeah. offer that. So you um you said that you bought a tractor May 2020, which was this well, May 2020 was about two weeks after we thought our two week holiday was gonna finish, wasn't it? Yeah, literally, um, yeah. God, when you look back at it like that, Jesus, uh what a time it's been. But um you said that the other things you would have been doing was young farmers, and uh, you're, you're, you've went quite quickly, well, not quickly, I don't know, but it certainly went up the ranks in young farmers. Um, it's lower than this you started with, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah. now we've done higher things, which we'll get into in a minute. But um, a lot of people listening will be at that age. I, mean, I think my main demographic is sort of like 16 to 21. Mm-hmm. Um, the they're looking to get into farming a lot of people and, and young farmers is one thing that I've said a few times, but the thing that I can't really do is talk about it because I've joined Lower Nithsdale at 25, um, <laughs> <laughs> which is about a year and a half I've got left. Uh, mm-hmm. But here, I've, I've loved it. It's been great fun. Really enjoyed sort of the, the panel night I was invited to. Yeah. The, the, the guest speaker, all that sort of jazz and all the, the different things that we've done. So I've really enjoyed it from that perspective, but it's not like, I'm needing to find a way into farming anymore. I think I'm there. Yeah, you're fairly well covered. <laughs> I think I'm in, I'm in the industry enough now, I think. Um, but there's certainly people that are looking to find a way in, and some of these mm-hmm. people are from farms, and I think it's yeah. important to mention some of them aren't from farms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Could you, yeah, could you start, before we sort of get into your life in Young Farmers, Colin, talk about Young Farmers and, and how, how it can bring folk into the industry, or even just Young Farmers? <clears throat> yeah, honestly, it's um, coming f- probably, I think, Lauren Estee, I'm in quite a lucky position 
um, being based round about Dumfries, a lot of our actual catchment area is Dumfries. So something we've certainly developed over the time that I've been in the club and involved with committees is bringing people in that aren't quite, obviously, as you say, not off a farming background. They're not, they literally, for other sense, have been brought up in the town and apart from maybe a school visit now and again, haven't really done much or been involved. Um, and to be honest, like a lot of it is just, we find, yeah, you can promote it. We love to promote it as much as we can, but a lot of it is through friend groups and, oh, you've got a friend that goes to Young Farmers. So you get them, they're like, right, come along, even just see what you think of it. Come along, a stock judging, a sports night, whatever else. Meet everybody catch up with people a lot of it is like-minded people but they've just got a farming interest as well and a lot of it stems from that they come out they do a stock judging or they come and do a cattle dressing dairy dressing sheep dressing whatever else it's like i've never been on a farm before i've never done anything with cattle i've never even never been near a cow or anything never judged any cows and then it starts to snowball and then you know and a prime example, I know a prime example of a boy who went from working as a car mechanic to is now fully fledged in the dairy industry, has a job through it. And he'll probably open them. A lot of that was through young farmers. And there's a lot of cases that we've had of that where people have got involved in young farmers that have had no background. And it's led to them getting careers, careers in farming. And that is probably one of the most satisfying things through young farmers that we've found. Um, when, when did you start, Colin? What age did you start? At? So I think I started the same year I started at the Barney, so back in 2010. You were 15-ish? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'll be honest, um, and it's something I would give out as advice to a lot of young farmers. I very much enjoyed the social and the sports and the event side of things for probably till I was about 2021. 20, I was like very much go along, meet friends, not get too as much as I love to promote getting involved with committees and whatever else. At the end of the day, I was very much a social member for the first five, six years I was in Young Farmers, and I really did enjoy it and got to make a lot of friends out of it. But it kind of got to that point five, six years in, I was like, you know what, I actually want to give something back to the club now. I want to try and make a difference. Um, and literally, I just started, I think, when I was 20 or 21, I started as just a sports convener. So literally organising our Sunday night sports, which is, you've been yourself, it's just about a catch-up and a laugh. There's nothing serious about it. Find out what the gossip is for the weekend and uh, whatever else. But it's a way to socialise. It gets gets everybody together. Um, it is, yeah, that's kind of where it started, to be honest. I think, I think my story with the Sunday Night Sports, I, I was never allowed back. Uh, <laughs> I went once. Were you there that night? I can't remember. And, I think uh, so. I think you were. I, I can't remember anyway, but John Marshall, myself and Perry, with the, the, you know, the average age is about 27. So <laughs> mm-hmm. we're probably just really holding on to being allowed to be there. But uh, we're, we're mucking about with a ball and I backheeled the ball and just broke John's nose and gave him a black eye. And then about two minutes later, two minutes later, we're playing, uh, I was going to say playing brownies. That's not what we're playing, playing rounders. And uh, uh, 
I smacked this ball and just about took Lauren Nelson out. And then two minutes later, uh, she was batting and I caught her out. So it was. It felt like I had some kind of target to ruin the last day of our sport. Deep down, it was a really good... It's actually, it's great crack. Um, but a really good place, sports convener, it's, it's almost one of those sort of positions that you, you make so someone can get into a committee. But it's brilliant yeah. for that, you know, brilliant mm-hmm. for that. And, and then was, I think you moved on up. Yeah, so it was, it was the kind of thing, it's like you probably... As I say, you probably don't think much of it as a sports convener, but that kind of simple thing, starting to organise teams, organise people, like it's, surprising. it's amazing how many events we actually ended up going to. There's like, for well, SOIC-wise, we were going to like football events right across the West region, hockey events right across the West region, national rugby events, um, like volleyball, netball tournaments, like starting to organise teams for that, getting people involved you kind of have to push yourself to speak to a lot of different people and get involved. So it was that kind of first initial step to, you know, starting to climb, climb up the, climb up the tree, to be honest. But it was, it was a really enjoyable year and we had a lot of success that year, which made it all feel worthwhile as well. So. And what, what was next after that for you? Did you jump into treasury or what? Yeah, so again, um, it was assistant assistant treasurer, which um, I did, I wasn't really that sure on, but I kind of was like, right, I'll make the step. Um, realistically, it was my I was down in the committee roles. I was to look after, keep in charge of the club's alcohol stock. Okay, and yep. and organize for bars and events through the year to make sure we had everything for going forward and then obviously help treasurer with any treasurer stuff that came up throughout the year as well and um, taking money at gate types which again something I'd I'd obviously done admin and things at school and whatever else but the actual sitting doing number crunching end of year accounts simple stuff like that like it was something I'd never really been fair involved with apart from bits and pieces at school but it was actually really really useful for going Absolutely. forward into what what I am now, um, like for my like a lot a lot of my young farmers stuff I carried into my contracting business when I started it up for, like making accounts, keeping tabs of receipts, things like that, simple stuff. Keeping but, alcohol. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, yeah. we're like with with lower Nistel, what obviously been like club SOIC clubs being registered charities. Like we're obviously getting audited by Oscar, and like the accounts have to be on the money, like down to the last pence. Or it's not going to be right. So with the uh, likes of Louise to keep me right, Louise Patterson, the the saint and uh, of treasury and young farmers, um, we I've seen me and her sitting at her house till 11, 12 o'clock at night to find ten pence in a set of accounts. <laughs> but as it is, for all it seems silly and it's so frustrating at the time for setting us up going forward, absolutely brilliant. So so and, useful. I mean, bloody brilliant skills to learn. You know, things um, yeah, that, it is. Yeah. It's like you don't think anything of it at the time, but actually, as a life skill, it's for all like you can imagine. When you say treasure to anybody that's coming on a committee, they just kind of run away from it, like they're right. scared of it. It's like it sounds like a terrible, terrible job unless you're interested in accountants. But at the end of the day, it's a life skill that is so so useful, so useful going forward. And just a quick shout out to Louise. Um, I'm sure she is the saint you say she is, Colin, but I still do not uh, forgive her for the fact she got in touch with me to come onto that panel night. 
Um, and her message was, it said, I remember this perfectly, uh, you'll just be asked questions about your career and your past academic experience. <laughs> <laughs> I will quickly bring up one question from that panel. Who on the panel has spent the shortest amount of time in a house they've just bought with their girlfriend before they broke up? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so thanks for that, Louise. That was kind of you, to be honest, on that one. <laughs> <laughs> She's a saint the rest of the time, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Moved, moved from a, a vice treasurer, I assume, onto treasury, and then was it straight into vice captaincy after that? Um, yeah, it was... Um... Aye, the way things worked, I kind of did did a spell in Treasury um, just with some movements around the committee and then, yeah, became, came on as John, our good friend, Mr Austin's um, assistant, well, vice chairman and Louise was secretary at the time as well, which was actually in the club's 75th anniversary year. So it was a really big year for the club and it was really good to be involved in that as well. I think you're wearing the 75th anniversary yep. thing. We've got yeah. the merchandise on, yeah. Who, I've, I've meant to ask you this a few times, who done that? Because they must have been a Chelsea fan because that is just a Chelsea badge. Um, Ross, yeah, one of our um, past past chairs, Ross Mayer, in his year as chairman, he decided he wanted to get us new football kits. And this is when the badge was um, developed, all to, all to his taste. I think he is a Chelsea fan. Now, Absolutely, it, yeah. yeah, it's yeah. The <laughs> I, I see a lot of students wearing it, obviously, and I'm like, yeah, we're wearing Chelsea hoodies, and then I realise, you know, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So, what does what does cheering uh, uh, a young farmers club involve? Um, so many things you probably never ever think of. So mm. many things you never. Re- Realistically, at the start of it, you are there to be the face of the club. Yep. You are the focal point, point of contact. Um, you are the representation of that club at all times. Um, a lot of organ- helping organise events, speaking to hosts, mm-hmm. um, and again, engaging with members as well. You've got to be approachable to them. Like if you've got new members coming in, you've got to be as approachable as you possibly can and try and showcase what Young Farmers is all about and what opportunities there is, to be honest. Well, you're being approachable to a demographic of 13 years. Yeah. Completely different backgrounds. It's quite versatile. Yeah. Um, you, you do. Aye. It, it does take a lot of skill, but if you can get on with the young ones, the young ones are what probably makes your year a success because, as you can imagine, they're all they come into young farmers and they're all keen as mustard. They are brilliant. They want to do try everything, go to everything, and it's just basically you just have to try and facilitate for as much as possible for what they're wanting to do. And I, one thing that since I've joined, I've went to however many things, seven or eight. I can't believe how often there's something on. Yeah. You know, like, it, Elspeth and Natasha and Ed and whoever are always posting in that chat saying like this is this week, this is this week. Mm-hmm. I never realised it was that. I mean, when we did Young Farmers and Aaron, I was chairperson, secretary, treasury, all for like eighteen months, and we arranged a few things. But yeah, like, it's like it must it's, be about fifty odd things a year. Like it's, it's intense. It, it, no. Honestly, it it becomes as much of a job as your own job at times. Job, yeah, yeah, it does, and. 
to be again, I've been very lucky. Gardens have always supported local young farmers throughout DNG and the West, and they're always very understanding that I work the hours, I make up the time if I need a way to do a young farmers event or but even they, they've been very good with sponsorship and whatever else as well. And they have supported me. Yeah. Gordon, yeah. Gordon's in the arm and then Murray Farm Care on the other side. But yeah. it's it, it is good to see there is so many local companies that will put money into young farmers and support them mm-hmm. wherever they can. Because at the end of the day, a lot of these companies realize this is their next customer base. Like 10, 15 years time, that's going to be the customers they're having to deal with. So... Half members, yeah, yeah, absolutely. yeah, exactly. Aye, that's it. It's there's so many opportunities that way. So, um, and one one thing I wanted to say when I brought you on was uh, probably one of the first few times I met you was um, you you were obviously chairperson through COVID of Lorneth. Um, yeah, and, mm-hmm. uh, you guys put on a concert, and I think you were only one of two in the region or three in the region or something like that. I think yeah, there was there was us and then. Um, Two, I two others crossroads. And was it Annandale? No, it was B. It was it was us crossroads, Beath, and uh, Mocklin. Right, I thought I thought there so was three. One. Oh, no, please. it was just the three Ayrshire ones <laughs> and us. And um, yeah, it, that was the most stressful thing. Well, the, the well, thought of we, we were like two or three months into practices and then the, that was when we had our kind of Christmas lockdown and our concert was meant to be mid-January so we were pretty much losing Was it February in the end? February? Yeah, we ended yeah. up we ended up we made the call we're like you know what <clears throat> we're too we're, we're in deep we're going to make this work Well the, the, we, the thing I was going to say was whether it was stressful or not it worked because I went to it and you know some of my students were in it and they were like oh, are you going and I was like yeah no oh god I can't, I can't face you seeing some of it it was brilliant it was just good fun and I'm I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna almost call out Ayrshire Young Farmers here and we've got Jane Strawhorn on in a few weeks I'm sorry for this Jane but the one thing I struggled with Ayrshire Young Farmers was I thought it was almost too intense it was like a job um whereas the thing that I've really enjoyed about Lauren Isdale is it's very much ran well, but there's also like a, but you're here to have a good time. And yeah. that concert was proof of that. It was brilliant. You just did a good laugh. There was the odd thing that was said wrong and everyone just did a giggle about it. That the, the, the audience were just as much a part as the show, as the, mm-hmm. the, the actual thing. And it was brilliant. And uh, we don't need to get into karaoke that happened that night. But it was Absolutely really- not. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Wallace, you weren't the worst one in karaoke and hole in the wall that weekend. Which is quite impressive. Um, yeah, very. Very impressive, actually. Um, you know, Erin Ra- McElwraith, I think, for some reason, was expecting me to be a good singer. And I'm like, this is just mm. not what you should be expecting, uh, especially given her singing performance, which, by the <laughs> way, was very good. Um, uh, yeah, no, I thought that concert was brilliant. So well played to all involved. And uh, J- John Austin, you're a naughty boy in that concert. It was uh, That was one of the funniest things I have seen on stage in my life. Amazing. He told me it was like, oh, my moment's coming later on. And I was like, what's it going to be? It lived up to it. Um, it was very much worth it. 
Oh, brilliant! Absolutely brilliant! And uh, that was really the first time I knew you were a contractor because you were you mentioned it in the thing um, <laughs> several <you> times, <laughs> just about every time you spoke. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Was was that just an advertising opportunity? Absolutely. I was like, I was like, I'm chairman. Let's like, if I can't advertise my own business at this point, what can I do? <laughs> it shouldn't be Gordon's. It should be um, kind of had contacts in the back on the site. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that was very good. But what was what was chairing uh, a young farmers? I've asked you what chairing is like, but mm. what was it like during COVID? Because I mean that that must have been hard. It was tough. We, as probably everybody did, very much got accustomed to Zoom very very quickly. Um, the first the first six months, we pretty much everything had to be over Zoom. Mm-hmm. everything to be fair we've done quite a few things we've done like a new members night on zoom with some games we've done a quiz night we've done like a bacon demo night as well Um, we had like a few talks from people as well we've done a health and safety meeting um through the yellow welly foundation whatever else so oh yeah like we managed to keep it going um, we've done a lot of like competitions with like photo competitions and like you know how everybody was doing their videos with pass the toilet roll and all that kind of stuff like we've managed to keep it keep members involved and keep it lively and to be honest our membership was still pretty pretty high pretty good considering the, we had very little physical events to put on for everybody um, and even that first year actually Probably my highlight and something we've carried on since then was the fact that I managed to, our first probably big physical event was um, managed to put our tractor run on in Dumfries. Mm-hmm. Um, it was that kind of thing. I'd always wanted to do one, obviously, my background, whatever else. It was fairly simple, really, to organise. And I was like, what can we do in COVID where we can get a whole lot of people together but keep them isolated as well? Yeah here's an idea, put them all on a tractor and let them drive around the countryside and see everybody. How many, and how many tractors do you have? We got 100. I was going to say, it was not 101? Yeah. For some yeah. reason. I think basically both, both years, because we, we've done it again this previous year and we got 100 again. So, um, But it was just the kind of thing. Everybody was so glad to get out. And um, yeah, we raised a lot of money for charity um, for the Glencairn Wards, just local in Dumfries that year. So they were really grateful for it. And it was great publicity for the club. It was all over Scottish Farmer standards, all over Facebook. So yeah, um, yeah, it was it was really good, good for us, good publicity and good to get an event under our belts, to be honest, considering everything that was going on. So when when I came along to that uh New members night, not sorry, um, panel night. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know how many folk would have been in the room. Probably about fifty ish. Yeah, I think it was, it was top side was, of fifty. Yeah, yeah, there, there wasn't hundreds, but I mean, you know, fifty-one of them were there to see Cammy Wilson. I'm sure, but the, <laughs> uh, it, it was. I remember going to that and thinking, "Oh, this is a decent sized club." But then we went to the dance. And there was like 140 folk there. Now I know they weren't all members. Some of them yeah. were triple age, but you know, like they weren't all members for sure. But you mentioned, I think it was like 80 folk were members. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't realize just how big Lower Nith was. I mean, that must be, yes, it's not as big as the Ayrshire ones, but that must be as big as some of the bigger ones. Yeah, we, I would think we'll be, we'll be probably in the top 10 in the West, yeah. I would say. Yeah, we'll be, I think 
between us and Stranraer, I think we'll probably we'll be I think we'll be just about the biggest club in D and G at the moment. But when I started back in 2010, the club would be maybe 25, 30 members. That's so it, really, it really has taken a big hike up, probably in the last five, six years. Um I think I uh, probably around about it was when Billy Hiddleston and Katie Austin were chairman secretary it took a huge huge hike up um that year and then ever since then it's just built year on year on year and that's really the have first, built, that's we've, quick, yeah we've built we've built something up really really good so we have um, and you've you've now jumped on from Lorneth you are notably big time and the young farmers is <laughs> now uh, so what's your role now Colin? so I am now this year, chairman of district of the recent Galloway. And alongside that, I am now the vice chairman for the West Region for Scottish Young Farmers as well. Who does West Region cover? So West Region covers the recent Galloway, Ayrshire, Lanarkshire, and Clyden Central District. So Stirling, basically right across um, to West Renfrew and that includes Butte as well Right okay yeah and now I've asked you as you go sort of what each involves now I assume this is a lot more um, maybe not more but more responsibility uh, Yeah yeah. What, yeah. What, what's involved now as you're, so you're vice chair um, I've got the right thing here Jane's chair mm-hmm. for your vice yeah. chair mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. yeah so what, what's you guys' job there so basically, um, our role is to oversee oversee all the the districts within the West Region. Um, obviously, like so, when myself being involved with Dumfries and Galloway, we've got to start with the, the six clubs in Dumfries and Galloway. We've got Stranraer Rins, Mackers, Stuart Ray, Lauren Estale, and Dale Thornhill. Yeah. So basically, we work as a district. Everybody comes together for district events. Um, and quite often those district events are qualifiers for the West region. So yep. likes of our um, beef dressing, um, likes of the foot, our football, hockey, volleyball, um, likes of we've got our talent spot competition, um, speech making, these kind of things. So they are run as West events. So... We have a obviously me and Jane have a duty to try and work with all the districts and be a basically a focal point for any concerns, any questions, any anything they might need. Basically, we are seen as the point of contact with along with the SAYFC staff um, to try and help them and help their clubs develop to promote young farmers as much as they can. So um yeah, it's a lot, a lot more meetings, a lot more getting, getting out to. But for me, I've really enjoyed it, getting out to meet a lot of different people from different areas of the country, and actually see how a lot of different clubs work. Um, because as you as you mentioned, the way Ayrshire works compared to Dumfries and Galloway is totally different. The same with Lanarkshire and Clyde and Central. It's good to get a different perspective on things, and I've really enjoyed it so far this year. And. I feel like I have to ask this question. Uh, I say that as if it's going to be a weird question. It's not a weird question. So next year, you'll be chair. Mm-hmm. Do yep. you plan on trying national vice chair? 
No, not I. I very much doubt it. Um, I would have to be a very much change of heart, but West was also a very much a change of heart as well. Well, that's what so, I was going to say, yeah. Um, I think Jane would probably murder me if I went on to be her vice, but anyway. She's oh, not, I'm she's sure not, she wouldn't. <laughs> she, she's not murdered me yet this year, but as much as I've tried. Um, <laughs> but no, to be fair, Jane is somebody really good to follow. Her knowledge of young farmers is like second to none it's, it's unbelievable yeah. literally any young farmer's question you can think of jane will have an answer and if she doesn't have an answer she'll be back to you within a day with yeah. the answer to that question um one of the most organized people i've ever met and but as i say it's it's great it's a great example to follow um for what to aspire to be and she's she's doing a fantastic job jane um, is national vice chair at the minute isn't she yeah Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's 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 quite something. I mean, I, I was I wasn't ever against young farmers. It's not the term at all. I tried to start mm-hmm. one, but I just I didn't. When I was at uni, uni almost did the young farmer stuff. Yeah, there was the yeah the mm-hmm. going out and all that. So mm-hmm. I, I just didn't do it. There was boys in our class, David Smith, Craig Hamilton, and, and probably others, and David Mitchell, Fraser Kennedy, that did. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, you know. It was just our thing was more the uni side and that, that was fine and I didn't really get it. But now I've joined it and you know I'm too late to go through all the, the office bearerships and also I wouldn't even consider it because it wouldn't be fair on those that are working up towards it, you know. Yeah. Um, but it's brilliant how much you can get out of it. And if you are listening, yeah, and, and you're still with us and, and you've enjoyed Colin's story and the sort of young farmers is something you're looking down, take Colin mm-hmm. as an example as to as to what you can get from it. You can learn how to bookkeep. As boring as that might sound, you're not going to join to do that. You're yeah. going to, join to go to the driving range to get steam in, to do all that stuff. But you're also going to learn all this sort of jazz as well. It's really important. And the, the working up the office beta ranks is brilliant. I mean, it's almost like a, it is like a, not a job, but a job progression. And yeah. No, absolutely. There's, there's, a, there's a lot more even for by that that I've got out of it. Opportunities I would have never go from anywhere else like so that the international travel things exchanges and things i've been on um like colorado for for six weeks through young mm-hmm. farmers absolutely amazing one of the, bre- well, the best trip of my life without a doubt um and even like so the next year i went down to wales just an exchange got the Welsh show during exchange it was mm-hmm. like it's opportunities you probably wouldn't get to see things from a different perspective through traveling and even this year i've done the what they call as a cultivated leaders course um so a business orientated course run through the agri affairs side of young farmers so reps from rbs Colbrace, um as the accountants like top top level business like we were we were dealing with um i think this is Roddy mckenzie like rbs pretty much as high as you can go and yeah. he's coming in to speak to young farmers about accounts and business and family planning and um heather wildman's the one that runs that yeah. that course so obviously you you know she's absolutely brilliant like the whole progression succession plan and whatever else and like this is put on as a course for young farmers like this you can apply to it you, that's all there for you if you want it it's just about taking the opportunities it's funny you mentioned Heather Heather Wildman there. I think I think I've got the right person here. But when when you asked me to that thing, I was like, 
who's done it before? And, you know, just me, 25-year-old fool from Aaron. Um, Louise is like, oh, Heather Wildman. I think it was Andrew McCormick. And I was like, oh, my yeah. God. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Did you send it to the wrong person? Like, what is happening? <laughs> um, you mentioned speech-making earlier. I've got two years left. I'm genuinely debating trying it. Um, I would. Honestly, Wallace, I think you'd be amazing at it. Have you done it? it? Yeah. Last year, as part of my chair, last chairman years, Lauren, if Louise pretty much told me I had to do it. And I, didn't Paul, a, I didn't get an option. Do you choose what you talk about or are you told? Depending on the format of what year it is, um, you can and kind of like the, the usually, like, so probably what for senior, especially, usually you'll get um, topics and you'll have to choose a topic to pick. Like, off, you literally, you'll turn up on the day, have to pick a topic off a sheet and then discuss it, probably argue it between years or you could have a panel of three totally different clubs members you've got a chair to chair the meeting or chair the debate and then the three of you argue the points for or against what what it is and it could be literally anything it could be farming topics so fun. It, it is uh, once you get once you get into it it's just a pressure cooker situation but if you've if you're confident in yourself speaking it is um it's so worth it. And a lot of people do say speech making is one of young farmer speech making is one of the best things as a again as a life skill going forward. Yeah. Well it's I mean, it's essentially my career. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> I'm not saying I'm good at it, I'm confident enough at it. Um, yeah. But I do also want to get involved in concert this year. Uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you live on the R2 cast that crossroads have been trying to poach me. So, you know. Uh, <sighs> They they wouldn't have enough fun for you, Wallace. I'm sorry. Oh, I tell you, this is it. This is it. I mean, they've already started practicing. And what's insane? Like, yeah, yeah. Fair play to them. It's ran. They, they are way. they are ridiculously organised. So yeah, impressive. fair play to them. Um, here, Colin, it's been great to chat. I hope you've enjoyed yourself. We've spoke for yep. an hour and a quarter. I don't know if it feels like that. Um, but it's it's been great to sit down and have a chat with someone who I know quite well, but never actually really <laughs> spoke to. Uh, and as I said to you at the start, it's always quite embarrassing when you do this with someone you know, especially when you're doing the thing, you're sort of, anyone that's listening, if you've been on an R2 cast before, you'll know it. If you haven't, I just sort of chat like this before we kick off. And then it's like, welcome back. And oh, it's so tragic doing it in front of someone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but there's two questions I end every single podcast with. One of them is, where do you see yourself in five years? And second is, uh, if you had any tips for folk coming into farming, what would they be? Uh, where do I see myself in five years? Hopefully, moved out of mum and dad's house for a start. <laughs> so, in one house, because if I stop buying tractors, I'll maybe buy a house. Yes. Um. Yeah. Contract and settled. Still happy at work, and I'll be retired from young farmers by that point. Well, you could. Oh no, you couldn't still be chair of national. No. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not even contemplate it. <laughs> Um, yeah, I would say oh, st- I'd still like to be involved in some capacity. I don't think I'll ever escape it altogether, but yeah, I'll be that old guy just kind of hanging about. <laughs> and uh, tips for folk getting into farming? Tips for folk getting into farming. Um, honestly, there's so many opportunities at the moment. If you've got a bit of confidence and um, willing to actually just have a go at anything, I see a lot of people coming into farming at the moment that are very 
kind of standoffish or they don't want to get their hands dirty. Um, honestly, just dive in and make the most of it because there's so many opportunities. If you're keen, people will give you the chance. And if you're hardworking, you'll go a long way. So, yeah, if anybody wants to come a tractor driver, give me a shout. <laughs> well, you've already got a job tractor driving. You might not be doing them. It's okay. So it's always everyone says that you know jump in you know and and be confident. It's not as easy doing that at first, but but believe us. <laughs> yeah, the, so, the sooner time. the sooner you drop down your barriers and just go for it, the more yeah. people respect you and give you a chance. So, and if 100%. if you do somehow do that and you come across someone that's not helpful, chances are the next one won't be. It's a uh, you'll find a yeah. right person sure. Uh, Colin, I hope you've enjoyed coming on. I hope you've enjoyed being on the podcast. Uh-huh. Thank you very much for having me, Wallace. Not at all, not at all. Is this your first time on the podcast? It is, yeah. Feeling, yeah. feeling like I've made it in life now. Well, you've done very well. Done very well. It's been, <laughs> it's been a long one as well, which is, is normally a good sign. Um, uh, yeah, so this will be number 57. Next week, we head over to Minnesota uh, with Andrea Fleming. Andrea Sievitson Fleming, I believe her name is, but I think she just got married. Uh, so that's number 58. You may know her on Instagram as that fit advocate. That is so difficult to say, uh, but I think I've got there correctly. She talks about um, her sort of mental health struggles, uh, which is really interesting. She we went really deep at one point talking about um, suicidal thoughts and stuff like that and how farming has played a role in really finding her correct place and her happy place. So it's, it's a really good story that she looked at becoming a vet um, and we went into some things that are not legal here in the UK, but very much legal in the US and not at all because they're illegal are they strictly bad. One being hormone implants, which we had a bit of a debate about. I didn't think I was for them. She told me some stuff that made a bit more sense. And GMO, which I'm going to say something that a lot of you guys listening might disagree with. I'm very much for it. Um, but it's it's not legal here, but it is legal in the States. So we talked about that, which is really interesting. So we'll see you next week for that. And Colin, thank you very much. Cheers. Thanks, Wallace. Well, that's it. Another R2Cast finished, another agricultural mind opened up. And I would just like to say that getting these guests on board uh, does take time uh, and it always has done, but I've now went weekly and with that comes even more time required. And I would just like to finally thank once more The Scottish Farmer for sponsoring the show and making that much more possible. Please be sure to get in touch if you've any ideas of people you'd like to see on the podcast or maybe ideas you have for me presenting better, because I definitely do require that. See you in the next one.